Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Dan McTagg, who was a Liberal Member of Parliament for 18 years. I always told him he was on the wrong side of the aisle, but anyway. Um, Liberal Member of Parliament for 18 years. Responsible Member of Parliament. Cared about his constituents always. I know that because we had off-the-air conversations. Dan is uh, the founder, as you know, of Canadians for Affordable Energy. And uh, he wrote a column that I found a few days ago. I'm just going through some old files. It was a column he wrote, I think it was in 2016, and it was, What Happened to Ontario and Ontarians Under the Green Energy Act of the Provincial Liberal Government? So yesterday we spoke with um, Katja Hoyer from England, and she was telling us about the energy crisis in the UK and Germany. In the UK, gas, natural gas, went up 71% or 70% just in the month of August. Last year, it quadrupled, and Boris Johnson tells the Brits not to worry, so it's temporary. Germany's facing another issue. Uh, England's got nuclear plants that they're not reluctant to use. Germans are not so in favor of nuclear energy, so they're now going to be more reliant on Russia and Putin, the savior, and Putin has said, yeah, I'll provide you natural gas, but you have to support me in the building of a natural gas pipeline under the Baltic. It's almost finished because what choice do they have? Anyway, Mr. McTagg joins us, former Liberal MP and founder of Canadians for Affordable Energy. Uh, when you heard Premier Mo, you're the former, you're a former federal politician. When you heard a Premier of Saskatchewan saying that, how do you react? Oh, I think it's more than frustration. I think it is uh, determination. Um, I hear in that voice someone who has not been in federal politics, uh, like his counterpart in Alberta, uh, Jason Kenney, who might feel that there is uh, a need to uh, at least give the uh, the idea of nation uh, a better shot. But look, it, this is what we call in the old days uh, asymmetrical federalism. In other words, one region of the country gets all the attention, gets all the money, gets all the power, uh, and the rest is simply you know cast aside. And that, that may ha- may work in a strong economy, where you know uh, provinces, resource-based provinces, can stick to their knitting and focus on doing well in their own backyards. But when that stops, and it's deliberately stopped by a federal government that has waged a war since 2015 on pipelines and regulations, I mean, goodness knows, Roy, you've done a lot of interviews on these. I don't need to go down that road. You can well understand that when a province that created something called the Boundary Dam uh, sequestration project years ago, long before it was trendy, and now the federal government saying, nah, not good enough, uh, you can understand the frustration, but yeah, beyond frustration, yeah. the determination of the province to say, uh, maybe it's time to get a better deal on this federation. You know, and, and, and Dan, it's not like they, Saskatchewan or Alberta, we haven't heard from Jason Kenney yet, and we'll have him back on the show soon, but um, it's not like they just went from A to Z, from beginning of frustration to Z, where we're saying, that's enough, 
we're, we want we want uh, the kind of status that Quebec has within Canada. This has been incremental, and they've been telling him, they've been telling Trudeau since day one when he started this anti-Western energy crusade of his. Uh, this this isn't going to fly with us. And now you have, and I see the emails on a regular basis, and I don't like it, but I see the email on a regular basis uh, from Western Canadians saying, I've had it. I've had it with Canada. And I don't yeah. like seeing that. And then we know we have the, we have the uh, political parties that are forming in Western Canada that are essentially to take care of Western Canadian interests because they don't feel like they're being represented in the rest of the country. The frustration is palpable and it's understandable. Well, yes, it is, and it's not surprising. I mean, I knew there was a problem, so this party wasn't the same party in 2013, 2014. After 38 years, I had to basically pack it in. Now, my, many people say, well, that's fine, it's a new party, but it's a new Democratic party with significant uh, overtones of, uh, of, of uh, uh, overreach when it comes to democracy, uh, when it comes to stifling opposition, when it comes to playing divide and conquer and using one region of the country against another. Uh, And then, you know, or or an age against another age, young people versus older people. And so you can't run a country that way. I don't know how, what it's going to take. Perhaps it is the inflation that is coming uh, that is going to hit everybody really hard here, Roy. And, you know, we talked about this before with food, but it's coming. uh, And I think Canadians are going to have a, that moment where they will have, in fact, politically the great reset. And uh, these guys will be turfed one way or another. Yeah, let's uh, let's. By the way, I said earlier we cannot forget, or we shouldn't forget, that six days after becoming prime minister, Trudeau gave an interview to the New York Times where he bragged that Canada would become the world's first post-nation state. So, I think he's working on it. Um, Dan, when it comes to the issue of energy, and we had our conversation with our guest from England yesterday, when it comes to the energy issue, when it comes to the availability of energy in this country. There's this general sense is we're never going to run out. We're fine. We're going to be okay. And I say to people, okay, so maybe you can afford X numbers of dollars to fill your gas tank. Or maybe you don't care because you don't fill it all the way anymore. But we don't have to look too far back. 2016 will do it. Five years to a significant part of this country, the largest province in Canada, where people, particularly the poorer Ontarians, were unable to pay for their electricity, were having their electricity shut off. And we're living in the cold in the winter. And were it not for the $6.5 billion that the province is now incurring in debt, that would continue. And it's going to continue. And here's why. When 15 to 18% of all your electricity generated in this province, a clean province, uh, is no longer coal, and the backup is, in fact, natural gas, and Justin Trudeau has made it very clear that he wants hard caps on emissions, what happens when we have, and wait for it here, Roy, because I don't make my predictions without, you know, without backing them up. What's going to happen when we have a 13 to 15 time fold increase in natural gas prices? In other words, if you're spending 1500 to to $1,000 a year for propane and natural gas, and he brings about these hard caps, what happens when it, uh, when it goes up by a factor of 13 to 14? It's going to leave and devastate Canadians. So the reality is starting to, is going to hit this government and Canadians very hard, and they're going to have to make a decision. Um, you know, can we change the world by, you know, uh, punishing Canadians to the point where we kill the most important uh, sector in, in our country? Or are we, in fact, going to be able to make this transition? Germany can't do it. Uh, Spain can't do it. The U.K. certainly can't do it. Uh, so, you know, and they're miles ahead of us in terms of these transitions. So what is it that Trudeau's proposing? Other than trying to be cute at international fora, when it comes down to Canadians, do they not rate? Because at the end of the day, 
they're not going to be able to make this uh, this payment. And uh, I, I fear that the government will no longer have money, as the province of Ontario does, to pay for $6.5 billion to shield Canadians and Ontarians against much higher electricity prices. That's where we're heading, and I want to make it very clear to people, you cannot afford what these guys are proposing. It's time for the Greta's uh, Thinbergs of this world and others to take a hike because we are simply a good nation with clean energy and it's time we stop demonizing ourselves and disrespecting ourselves the way we have. And people in this country are not against living clean, having less pollution, let's use Trudeau's word, less pollution. People are committed to that, but they're also committed to being able to live and live in a manner that does not bring you to the edge. And I don't know that we're near the, we're at the edge, but I just spoke with Sylvain Charlebois at Dalhousie University about the price of food, and we know where that's gone. And he just said a few minutes ago on this program that we're in the second or third inning of a nine-inning game, so we still have a lot of climbing to do as far as food prices are concerned. Then add an energy crunch, and, well, between 2006 and 2016, the electricity price in the province of Ontario climbed 71%. We didn't have a global energy crisis then. But it no. went up 71% between 2006-2016. So, uh, Mr. McTagg, what happened in 2016 with the Wynn government? How worried should Canadians and Ontarians be? I'm just saying Ontario because that's where it happened. How, how worried should the rest of the country be that it could happen where they are? Well, it could and will happen, British Columbia being the best example. I know our listeners here in CKNW will know that uh, the province has already committed to uh, capping natural gas, uh, putting hard caps on emissions. That could see, uh, you know, natural gas prices move from, you know, five, six dollars, and there they do it by gigajoule. Uh, but you know, basically, four or five dollars uh, an mmbtu, all the way up to about thirty. So that's kind of where we're heading. Uh, Ontario, of course, did that because it wanted to get ahead of this idea that somehow we had to bring in a lot of windmills and solar panels. And uh, uh, even though we had uh, an abundance of clean energy, we had co- closed the coal plants. Uh, we had nuclear. You remember Roy, my riding, uh, the first commercial nuclear reactors in North America in Pickering. Uh, so this is not new for Ontario, but the fact that we are being punished is, is beyond explanation because it doesn't achieve anything other than frustration. And it's, of course, why the, the Wynn government came to defeat. It's also why I believe the Trudeau government will meet the same fate, and it won't be, you know, a uh, you know, 10, 20 seat loss. When I think this, the totality of the impact of higher energy prices on every Canadian hits them in terms of fuel prices, as Dr. Charlevoix had suggested, in food prices, I think you'll see this uh, government reduced to rubble. And uh, it, it, for good reason, because they've gotten ahead of themselves. And what they're proposing, the alternative, is far worse and would uh, really re- reduce the human condition to appalling levels that we haven't seen since the 1840s, long before we were a country. And keep in mind that not so long ago, maybe 18 months, maybe less, there was polling done that found that 52% of Canadians were less than $200 away from not being able to pay their monthly bills. Yeah, BDO and MNP, both debt solutions. And we are heading in April to higher interest rates. Uh, prices, as we know from the Dairy Commission, I'll let uh, Sylvain Charles on your next station, next show, talk about that uh, again. Uh, you know, up a whopping 8.4%. I don't know how people are going to make ends meet, bro. And it reminds me of the angst that we saw in early 2000 when energy prices started to move radically. And one of the solutions, you and I worked on this, was to give Canadians a, some, something of a GST home heating rebate. I don't see the Liberals doing that. I see them basically. Uh, looking after their own and the clean fuel standard, which starts on December the 1st, 2022. 
how does 18 cents a liter grab you? I don't see how we can get out of this easily, Roy. And I, I fear that the only thing we can do now is tell people what's going to happen and use my credibility that I've had for 25 years and being damn accurate in my predictions and to tell Canadians, look, it's not too late. Please wake up. These guys are selling you a saw, uh, something that is simply not going to work. And more importantly, it will not make I mean, a rid of difference in terms of reducing so-called emissions globally. Not when you don't have China, Russia, and the rest of these countries on board. And China is uh, is experiencing energy uh, crisis. They're, Absolutely. They're, 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 losing, they're in rotating blackouts. I don't know if it's rotating, but they have blackouts of their of their uh, their cities. Their manufacturing has been has been hurt. And the Chinese government has told its citizens, start not hoarding necessarily, but start putting food aside and putting aside what you need because you're going to need it. We're going to need it. And we've sent, spent a significant amount of time in this country preventing our ability to send energy to those parts of the world that can desperately use it. And I don't mean... Isn't coal. that the key, though? That, that yes. there, there, there are so many destinations in the world that would happily purchase our clean energy compared to where we're buying it from, 700,000 barrels a day, where we're buying it from, they would be happy to buy our energy and fill money, fill our coffers, and be able to help pay for our health care and our social programs. It's incredible the disbelief that they have that a country like ours, rich in resources that we have, having dropped things like uh, emissions 30% in our in our energy sector in the past uh, 10, 15 years alone. We are we are leaders when it comes to energy. Yeah, but never get, we never get credit from our federal government for doing it. No, 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 hell no. I mean, look, this is a government that goes in and says, we're the bad guys, and how can we hurt Canadians even more? And, and you know, what Canadians are good with that because they really haven't felt this sting. But wait till they do. Wait till the interest rates start to go up. Wait till we see inflation biting. I think the elites that uh, live in this little vacuous world thinking that, you know, because you get a rebate in your carbon tax, that's all settled. They don't take into account the knock-on effect, the secondary effect in terms of raising the cost of living. They don't take into account the fact that GST, HST is not rebated. And they don't take into account that there is no country in the world that would ever propose to have two, let alone three carbon taxes. We're going to have three. We have one, which we already know is going to raise the price of gasoline another 38 cents a litre between now and 2030. We know there's a second carbon tax that's going to raise 18 cents a litre. That's the clean fuel standard. And now we have regulations and caps on, on natural gas. Look, this is insanity, Roy. And it, it, I don't, there used to be a time when public policy was based on sound, principled, reviewable cost benefits. This is just being done willy-nilly. And you know what? As long as there's media out there that will continue to give these guys cover... Canadians are going to get hammered in a way that they've never seen before. We're going to see I would, in this country drop. I would love to um, be able to sit down in this in the studio with you and your good friend Paul Martin, former Prime Minister and Finance Minister, and have Mr. Martin analyze what's been happening over the last five years and not pull his punches, just say, this is what has happened, this is what I would have done, this is what they did. I would, I would, I would pay for that. So would I. Uh, but the fact he said nothing in the last campaign says it all. It does. Um, you know, yep. and uh, even Chuck could say afterwards, uh, the comments that he made were as close as I could see yep. to someone saying, okay. for God's sakes, smarten up these liberals. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.